Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hi, MJ. Hi, Marie. And hi, listeners. Welcome to Dispatches from the Kardashian Simulacrum where we process our media theory takeaways and other hot takes from last night's episode of The Kardashians. Yes. And we have just watched episode three of season three. MJ, what are your thoughts? What are your, what's going on? They, well, first of all, I feel like they put us in a position to be engaging more parasocially with the content than I'm actually that comfortable with. Like it, there are stuff that allow us to do some media theory takeaways, but I feel like there are more hot takes than anything else. In this episode, we see Courtney on a press tour for Lemmy. We see Kim continuing this Dolce & Gabbana-like narrative, laying the groundwork for whatever eventual conflict is to come with Courtney. Um, we see her bonding with North and having some a lot of time with Scott, which we'll get into. Mm-hmm. Um, and what else happens? And then Chloe processing this new baby, Tatum, with Chris. We're used to the Kardashians giving us curated narratives and all of that. But what's interesting about what they're doing now, it's like they do insert these kind of really real things, very like intimate things about like their family dynamic mm-hmm. or processing the relationship with the new baby, like that's all very intimate, but they're also making it very clear that they're not giving us other details. Like we're not going to hear about who Kim's dating by name, Mm -hmm. but we're going to hear about like what she may or may not be like in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. So it's just another way of like shifting what they're giving and what they're not. They've always balanced the real and the staged in these compelling ways. That's what brought me to the show. That's what, kind of created Kardashian colloquium is this weird feeling that it, that it evoked this balance they struck. And so in this like super polished curated, uh, hard to relate to new era of the show, which obviously that was what the last episode was all about with, was them hearing the feedback from the public about how it felt unrelatable. And now they're saying, okay, fine, we'll give you more real stuff. What they're giving us is more telling than showing. Mm-hmm. Like they're not going to show us. This is my like go-to example, I guess. But like they're not going to necessarily show us Scott on a bender, like looking half-conscious, very disturbing. But they're going to, or they're and they're not going to give us like a Kim K sex tape, you know, ever again. But they're going to. This brings us into the first point, the first takeaway. They're going to mm-hmm. give us Kim telling us what she's like in bed. So we'll get to that. So let's get into it. What was our first takeaway? 
from today's episode. Kim's Sex in the City references, which like opens into a few different points. But while the episode starts with Kim and Scott out to eat, and while they're talking about her potential future dating life, mm -hmm. and she's kind of dangling, there's a possibility there's someone that Scott calls Fred that's like a, um, what's the word I'm like? Code name? It's a code name. Yeah. Um, and she's saying that there's someone in New York named Fred that she's been kind of seeing. They kind of talk about this in terms of sex in the city. Scott makes some, asks her some question, like, are you watching Sex in the City? Like, as, like, some kind of, like, supportive media engagement as she navigates singlehood, mm -hmm. um, singledom. And she says, oh, I fall asleep watching it every night. Which, for what it's worth, like, as a therapist, like, I will literally, like, sometimes, like, certain clients who are having a hard time, like, being single or with dating i'll say like why don't why not watch sex in the city and just like see it normalized and like obviously it's not a, that in and of itself is not a relatable show in in so many ways but the formulaic kind of like way it's it's written and how like addictive it is For like sure. it's just a it's a fun little prescription that usually goes over has always gone over well so it's interesting that scott brings that in he makes a joke we need to find you a mr big and first of all like once you'd notice that you can't unsee it, like how often everyone in their realm uses media references to narrate. Mm -hmm. Just like, it's a shorthand way of being like, oh, who would Kim's Mr. Big be? What would that be like? And it just kind of like... Well, it shows that they're thinking in these narratives all the time. Yeah. And so it's like, like in succession when they would like think in headlines, yes. like, or kind of think in like, how you would be describing the business move if you were just describing someone far away from you. Yeah. Whose career you were just, like, referencing. They, like, pan back and look at how it looks from the outside. Mm -hmm. And, like, it, it compresses the narrative more. So then they're like, who would Kim's Mr. Big be? And then it gets us thinking about that. Which, by the way, like, when Kim and Kanye broke up, that was a few matters of public discourse were what will Kim's fashion sense be now without Kanye and like who will be next. Right. So also, by the way, like you mentioned in our last episode, like the function that Scott plays mm -hmm. and like Scott plays the perfect function for these kinds of things. And they even kind of, I think sort of tried to tease a like, are there vibes between Kim and Scott? Do you notice that? Yeah. They wanted to just plant the image in your head. If not, like, I don't know if they're, they're meant to like, have you speculate, but it they're just positioning them yeah. in this like way where you almost picture it. Like in like the rom-com where it's like the two best friends, are they going to fall in love? For sure. Which is like, cause Scott and I are both single right now. Like, I don't know. Yeah. That's like, do you think it's one of those things where they just kind of want you to like play? It's something that, for people to chew on. Yes. I don't yeah. think they're going to develop it. Right. But I do think that there was like a little, like they, they just phrase certain things in the positioning of Kim and Scott spending so much time together in an interesting way. In a like slightly like loaded little titillating way. They always do little things like that. Like later in the episode, yeah. there's just um, a little shout out to like Chris saying that Kylie's her favorite. Mm -hmm. And it's just like why, one, it's again to like get the nostalgia piece in where of like the referencing old episodes but then mm -hmm. also just to be like a little spice yeah just just spice. some some twitter thread right get started on it yes or just one some that becomes one reaction that somebody like talks about yeah it is they themselves have said that their whole thing is throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks mm -hmm. and it's really true that social media is a slot machine 
beyond the algorithms being slot machines of like, what's going to go viral and get me those likes. I'm sure for them, the relationship to social media is also like, what will ignite? Right. And so it's sort of like, we'll throw them bigger stuff and we'll throw little mini things and maybe someone will like latch on. Totally. Very interesting. So while talking with Scott about her experience as a single lady and this mysterious Fred, who is he real or not? Who knows? Mm -hmm. He may or may not. It's very easy to be like, there's someone, but here's a fake name and you're never going to know who until it develops. Right. Kim talks about how difficult it is to date being Kim Kardashian and that she, she kind of triangulates herself with the media and says that the media what was the term she used? She said something like the media made me feel like I'm in a very serious relationship. And Mm. she said that in reference to Pete Davidson. Mm -hmm. So she kind of like offloads it. I don't want to say recountability. That's too much, but she offloads like the narrative and how it all played out with Pete onto the media. Mm -hmm. And it's like, but you are the media. Right. You you created that story also. That's interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way because I was thinking about it more in the, way of what it might actually be like to like experience a relationship in the public eye like that and I think they actually do prioritize like having the audience try to imagine that no they a lot they got me there too mentally yeah for sure and Scott uses another media reference and he says you must feel like pretty lady when you have a man come to your hotel room pretty lady you're a pretty woman (laughs) (laughs) you know the movie pretty lady it's a classic I think part of that's because of whatever was filming in our neighborhood today. It was called like was something. called Pretty Lady. I, I think know. it was actually called. I actually didn't check it really fast because I searched it. I actually just need to know. I'm sorry. Pretty Lady. It's like the Kirkland brand of Pretty Woman. <laughs> pretty Bird. Oh. Well, that still isn't Pretty Lady though. That's like you literally calling like that's like you saying a video is a movie. Yeah, exactly. For it's sure. like that. Like Pretty Lady, <laughs> the one with Richard Gere and what's her face? Julia Julie. Roberts. <laughs> um no for sure. So he says you must feel like pretty woman. He actually uses the way he Scott puts emphasis on trying to evoke what it feels like, I think, for the viewer, as mm-hmm. you're saying, and which was also true. Um Which is a de- I'm saying though, that's a device. Like that they do often. It's not just in this um, episode. Like they kind of do engage the viewer in that way of like also having them understand the subjectivity of Kim like being in the public eye and what that relationship and how that affects this and how that affects that. Yes. You know? No, like bringing us into it. Like if Kim is all of our Barbie, mm-hmm. then it's like bar- the idea of the function of Barbie is to like kind of feel like you're living Barbie's little life when For you sure. put her in like the convertible and take her to some scene. So that's sort of them being like, this is how it feels like when, as you like live vicariously through Kim, like we're going to give you more of that like perspective. Right. No, what I thought was interesting is that Scott is understanding his assignment and like helping create that sense for the viewer and he keeps putting emphasis on when you're on dates you can't go inside outside you must be inside and he like literally like emphasizes this indoor versus outdoor inside versus that interior exterior paradigm it's Mm -hmm. like and and it's very academic to do that like it's just like such an academic way to like break it down into a code yes no for sure he like he's really good at kind of explicating it and not only serving the function for the narrative of shifting the POV for the viewer of the main character. But like, he also, um, I think he really probably does think about it. So he Mm -hmm. like, I think he also kind of does have an academic kind of like outside perspective that, and he's able to articulate that very well, actually. Yeah. No, he's very like, I mean, because the essence of the Kardashians is 
these questions that social media brings up for all of us of like, what is public? What is private? Mm -hmm. So interesting. Yeah, they are social media. So they are watching them is also a meditation on like its effects. How it trickles down to all of us. Yes. And how we're all in our own little Truman shows. Right. And also the conversation becomes a way to discuss like who Kim is and intimacy back to like public private actually. Mm -hmm. And we all feel that we know this because there, it all began with a sex tape, but because Basically, do you want to explain, like, what happens, like, what Kim's describing? Oh. She's kind of like, I'm comfortable being nude on photo shoots, but, like, in bed, I want the lights off. Right, right. Oh, that's very sweet of you trying to, like, engage me. (laughs) Marie, do you want to explain what she meant? That was a big sister. That really was. Oh, my God. But, yeah, that was, like, um, to me, that was, like, an example of what we were talking about in the beginning of how, like, that's a very intimate thing to know. Like you're picturing her then in an intimate situation. And then it also harkens back to like the actual visuals we have of her in a very intimate situation. And it like, it's like they're giving that to us. Like they're not saying who Fred is, yeah, but like they're giving that. And like, it's a, it's just, it's a different, um, it's a different way of storytelling and it's like a new engaging way. So they're Mm -hmm. always like, it's always going to be as they get more successful, what's also more convenient for them. So maybe it is more convenient for people to like chew on the idea of Kim, like wanting the lights off when she's fucking. Mm -hmm. And then she gets to actually go date Fred. Right. You know, totally. And then Fred will be debuted when she wants him to be. Right. If he's real. And also the idea of Kim being modest when it comes to actual sexuality plays into how much they've emphasized that Kim doesn't drink. And how, which they did through the whole, the whole way from the beginning. And that was a a notable contrast to Kim does a lot of like sexy photo shoots, Mm -hmm. but she doesn't drink. She's still a good girl. So it's still a way of like this Madonna horror paradigm that Mm -hmm. they've always played with. For sure. And like really mastered. Yes. And I'm also just really quick thinking about how like succession She's like succession brained right now because she just watched the finale. (laughs) I really am. I'm drunk on it. Um, No, but it's just that like, um, but that's why succession is such a good show because it's like such under, like thinking about succession makes me understand like the larger media landscape. For sure. Like as they get bigger and more successful, it's like eerie how, much control they have like they create entire media narratives based on like what's convenient for them for their actual lives Mm -hmm. you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so like their lives can go more smoothly totally yeah and it's still a presumption it's of this production consumption contract that they are in with us that we are in with them Mm -hmm. so it's like we understand we need to give you Mm mm-hmm we're going to decide what we give you. I mean, it's the age old thing and it's why people feel so invested and enraged by the Kardashians, I think too, mm-hmm. because they're in that contract with them. For sure. Okay. What's our next, what's our next takeaway? Uh, Simon being the MVP of the Courtney camp. Oh my God, Simon. Yeah. Simon contains multitudes. <laughs> but Simon- we won't ever see them. No, we will never ever see the multitudes because he is pushing them down. <laughs> to fulfill one role. <laughs> and that is Courtney's anything she ever needs him to be at any moment. Yeah. Maybe he's an assistant. Maybe he's a best friend. Maybe he's a stylist. Maybe he's a consultant. 
Maybe he's a human shield if that ever came down yes. to it. He is just a fucking K-Swiss knife <laughs> that it goes in Courtney's pocket. Totally. <laughs> so it, it, we want to give him a segment because he's kind of like a version of an NPC, but on a high, high, high scale. <laughs> this is so sad. He is at work at all times, but yes. for like the lowest stake branch of the Kardashian. So it's actually, it's kind of like that episode of Rick and Morty. Uh, have to still reference it. It's yeah. too good. Yeah. To where like, <laughs> uh, which one's a scientist? Uh, Rick. Rick creates his, a battery for his car is an entire world. <laughs> and then they go inside the world. And then there's the guy in the world also created another world to like power something in his world. And like, that is Simon's in that third world. Simon's in the third world in the, in the meta battery. (laughs) No, because honestly, like we realized this, what season was it? That like, that her camp is like, is like they're fueled by fear. Oh, for sure. Like, it's not fun in there. No. It's not fun in that little bubble. I'd rather be a part of Kylie's. Oh, yeah. Kylie's seems like the most fun. I don't even know what Kylie's is all about. I've never we seen don't really her see friends. It. Yeah. But I want to be in that one if I had to be <laughs> in, in, in any of them. <laughs> no, so he takes a leadership role during Courtney's like press tour in New York. They do a throwback to the Today Show. They literally, Courtney's nervous for her Today Show appearance. She's promoting Lemmy. And they explain, they contextualize Courtney's anxiety by showing a clip from this. It had circulated on the internet recently. I guess in the early 2000s, Courtney did, like dispatched in an interview to some, I don't know if it was the Today Show, but it was some like news show. The one where basically she like very robotically disconnects. And what seemed to be happening is at the time, she was getting like some kind of message and like a like earphone or from someone behind like the camera, like about what she was or wasn't supposed to say, but it became like kind of a meme. Cause it's like Courtney seemed like a cyborg that was like malfunctioning. Mm-hmm. So they clipped to that, which I think is because it was recently recirculated around the internet mm-hmm. and they like to do their nostalgia. They really contextualize what they're showing us now by giving us like the real stuff, the fun stuff, the like the viral stuff from their more catchy years. It's um, also, it's a great way of memes are, hard to archive mm-hmm. even though they're so like omnipresent mm-hmm. it's hard to find a meme that you saw yeah. so like it's a way of like they're so good at archiving it's a way of archiving the memes that have also been created yeah of them that's a great point mm-hmm. and memes the power of memes is that they provide yet again narrative compression like they can compress an entire moment in time and like what mattered to people then the what was cool and funny or yeah. how humor was being expressed at that time like memes look so different for sure and that clip was like a meme uh in the sense that it was just a funny viral clip to people mm-hmm. um and it was memed in different ways they just showed us the raw footage but right. like it's just interesting they pulled that out i wonder who's doing that work of like sure. let's use that that was viral it shows that they must be cataloging what worked at the time mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah so that's kind of bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, no, just Should we Sim- give, like a more like visual Simon moment to explain. Well, yes. Yeah. I sh- there's a lot to pull from from that <laughs> scene. Um where oh my god, afterward, everyone's like, Chloe, you did amazing. All no, of her like or whatever. Oh my god, sorry. Which guys. apparently happens to her a lot. Oh, true. So yeah. I'm like one of those people. Yeah. Um, everyone's like, she's got her like panel of yes people, yeah. and they're like, amazing, Courtney, that was amazing. 
And then Simon, because of course he's like the leader of them all. So he has to say the most like, he has to say it with the most gusto. (laughs) And so he's like, what did he say? He was like, are they hiring on the Today Show? Something like that. Like, are you, this should basically like, this should be your full-time job. (laughs) And then she was like, well, I was on the Today Show this one time and she kind of like snapped a little bit back with it and he was like yeah and that's why you should be brought back like so nervously that's when it was when we realized when she was doing her initial Dolce and Gabbana meetings prepping for the wedding with Travis and like it was like around that circle table and like she like snapped at Simon and like the so like let it be known like we're not making fun of Simon here oh no we like making fun of the broken system that is like just that has so corrosive to Simon. That has ruined Simon's life. Like, talk about parallel lines or lives, because remember, that's something else that was interesting in Scott and... Yeah, no, um, we're going to do that. Oh, we already did. Okay, no, we're no, about to. Yeah. Well, I, okay, transitioning us into our next point, talk about parallel lines per, or lives. Like, Scott talks about Kim and what could have happened with their lives had it not been... Like, gone a certain way. Yes, and, like, that's, you know, something with Simon we could think about, too. Like, what would Simon's life be without the Kardashians? But, like, he's working so hard because he clearly values this. But it's, like, probably drug-like to be part of that whole, like, Mm. simulacrum. If you're at the heart of the simulacrum, like, I suppose you start fighting to keep your place there. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So that transitions us into um, Scott and Kim talk about, have a really interesting, deep conversation. Um, And all of this is in the setting of... Kim's makeup room and North is putting, she's putting makeup onto Kim. And it's worth mentioning that it's not just any makeup. I mean, this is like the essence of the entire scene, but I also think it's interesting in characterizing North. Mm-hmm. It's movie makeup. It's uh, like synthetic, like costume. What what do they call it? Basically movie magic makeup. That's not what they call it, but it's like special effects makeup. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what it is. So it's interesting because it's not a pitch for KKW beauty or, or any of that. It's, it's just, it's outside of the realm of Kardashian products. It's like, we're seeing that North's interests in makeup are more camp and more Kanye in a way, in Mm -hmm. that sense, you know, it also just shows how high scale, like the fun toys, like, you know what I mean? They're going to like movie sets and getting like actual special effects makeup. Yeah. And yeah, and it's, like, North being a little bit more of a tomboy and, like, not doing the, the pretty thing. It's, mm-hmm. like, kind of expressing herself and using Kim as a mannequin. Actually, it's a continuation of, like, Kim's function to Kanye, but with her kids. Mm-hmm. And so, should we worry about the birdie? Um, okay, well, just a warning to everyone. There's birds. <laughs> <laughs> so, I sincerely apologize, but they are here. They're fans. Mm-hmm. So, right, so Kim is being transformed by North. Scott is hanging around because Scott has just, you know, he's playing his part for this episode. And they get onto the topic of, can you imagine if none of this had happened? I forgot, like, what moment he's pinpointing to say, like, it could all be different. Yes. And as he's saying this, do you have a thought? Oh, no. Just another example of Scott being, like, randomly insightful. Yeah. Because this is, like, he, he really, like, turns them down a deep road he always knows how to do that Mm -hmm. there's a fork in the road narratively and there's a decision to make in the moment of the construction of a scene and he knows what the kardashians need to get it there that's why for a while when hey i'm ryan reynolds at Mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. The account was new, Kardashian Colloquium. Like, Scott was being tagged, hashtag MVP. Um, that's why they keep them around too yeah it's like they don't keep all the men around no totally totally uh, yeah not at least not within their worlds so as he's thinking out loud like you know what if this hadn't happened what could have been where would you all be which i think they also like that he always kind of has a thing of like where would you guys be this is your thing i'm here to play a part he doesn't try sure. to do more so he says that would actually be a cool episode wouldn't it like what would where would everyone be like what would happen basically he pitches a parallel universe themed episode because they really do have episodes that are themed around these very conceptual things where they dress up as one another or where they make the kids existences as the truman show an actual themed episode where they cut the best moments of the kids in their show into a show for the kids so he a it gives us insight into what the brainstorming process might be like for them Mm -hmm. of like hey that's not a bad idea when they're just musing about these very conceptual abstract things and we're seeing like he scott bring it to a deeper place like marie said and so kim kind of latches onto that i forgot really how it connects to this but she says yeah my mom's been worrying about whether she's like kind of ruined us or she didn't say ruined but she did use the term what she's done to us um with the high scale of what they do. Yeah. And we saw in an episode previous to this one, a genuinely tense moment happened between Courtney, Kendall, and Chris. Chris goes in to see Courtney and Kendall in a hotel room after all their press and all their big work days. And it just be- kind of becomes one of those very common family moments of like, they're talking about perfectionism and being having to work so much. And and they're like, it's because of you, mom. It's because of you. We're perfectionists because of you. We're anxious because of you. And it becomes, you can... Talk about like where they allow a moment of real realness to come through to the stagedness. Yes. Like you can see the sisters having a moment between like a psychic sister moment of like, oh, it's tense now, but you know what? Fine. Deal with it, mom. Yes. Yo. And Chris kind of bearing the brunt of it and being like, I'm going to go. For sure. No, yes. it was a true, true, true moment. And just like as sissies, we could totally yeah. see that. And like, but the point of it less that like we saw a real moment the point of it is that like it shows that like that's something that's really being grappled with at this stage at this stage and obviously like that's why the narratives like fold in 
genuine processing scenes about Mm -hmm. it, whether they're real or staged. I think sometimes it's just like they go into a room to process it. I wonder if like, for example, and we could be wrong, but that moment felt quite unmistakably real to us as sisters. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if the producers do a thing of like, hey, last week it got actually tense in the room with Chris Kendall and uh, Courtney talking about perfectionism and how like, you know, your mom has like created this new reality for all of you to live in. You want to talk about that with Scott in the next time you guys shoot. You know what I mean? And then that creates, that braids a weird reality of like real moments that like are inescapable as human moments. Like you can't help but like vent out your frustrations and those things with your family sometimes and then like taking it for content. Yes. That's like fucking crazy. It's crazy, but it's always been what reality TV is about and yeah. good, well-written reality TV, because we all know there's a certain amount of writing involved in reality TV is putting real people in kind of like written situations. And so like, there's an interplay between that already. So it's just like another way of yeah. doing that. I wonder if that's what makes Netflix reality TV so uniquely psychologically manipulative, but effective because it really is they, they, the Netflix productions seem to gamify human relations, like Ultimatum and Love is Blind. But it's like, they basically, they like know that they are social experiments mm-hmm. and they approach them that way openly and then right. they throw the humans in. And I feel like the Kardashians yes. in a weird way is good at that too. With themselves, yes. kind of. Yes, yes they do exactly. that to themselves. For sure. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're like commitment to capitalism is so like physical. Mm-hmm. But that's what I'm trying to say about the fight that's, like, interesting of the real sister fight and then them talking about uh, – or not the fight, the real sister-mom tension tension yes. is, like, both internally and, like, externally, they're really grappling with this, like, stage that they've gotten to. And it kind of is, like, a transition moment before they clearly, like, go transcend something else and like get adapt to it and then yeah yeah. it's like an adapting moment because like and that's kind of what this whole like what do I even call it see like this grouping of seasons this like new era era of the Kardashians yeah the Hulu era of the Kardashians like television show is meant to be that kind of like getting us ready for whatever is next because Mm -hmm. they keep doing that and it's like, but first we have to like kind of get ourselves oriented mm-hmm. with like what's happened. Yes. And like kind of like calibrate. Like, mm-hmm. okay, we're here now. This is bigger than ever. And what's interesting is they're going to have a reckoning. If like right now the reckoning is like, oh, wait, we've been just like working. Like that's what occurred to me before. Earlier in the episode, we see Kendall prepping for work. And she's talking about how like she's always so busy when she goes to New York doing this modeling stuff. It's nice to be in New York without as much work. Mm-hmm. And that, it's so interesting, that piqued the thought for me before then it turns out they were five steps ahead of me and they were going to take it there. That like Kendall didn't need to work. The Jenner sisters didn't need to work. And even though it often feels like, especially with Kylie, she's just kind of being placed in these environments and like she's a girl boss. Like Kendall modeling his work. She works, she mm-hmm. does it, and, like, she didn't really need to, but, like, every car Jenner sister had to be at work in the media, doing media work to make this brand what it is. Right. And so I remember thinking, like, that's interesting. Like, and Chris determined that on some level. Right. At least on some level. And so then they take the narrative into that place of, like, how do they feel about this? That there's, like, a system greater than themselves, the, greater than the sum of their parts, basically, yeah. or that is the sum of their parts. Right. And so then they show us that they are thinking about that and have feelings about it. And they're talking to whoever these therapists are that they're talking to. 
And I say that because as a therapist, I think you have to have special training to deal with these kinds of situations. For sure. It's not, it can't be normal therapy. Not that every therapeutic relationship is different based on the client and what they're presenting with. And so it's not ever streamlined, but it's just like, just as there should be special training to help people with a certain like kind of like trauma background or mm -hmm. something, there, there should probably be special training for someone that is so media exposed and so whatever that world is. Totally. I mean, it's just like an entire different like relationship to your own subjectivity. Yes. So it's like, how do you even, and then as a therapist who has like kind of no frame of reference yeah. as a person yeah. to that, like, how do you deal with that? Totally. That's crazy. It's something I've like really tried to sit and ponder as a therapist and like, I'm humble enough to know that it's too big for me yes. at this age, which is saying a lot because I actually technically study this. Right. Like what they do. You know what I mean? No, totally. Be, like fusing that would still be too hard. Yes. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, who are those therapists? I'm really curious. But anyway. Oh, and I, I want to also just quick say, when I say like they're processing this, what happened? I mean, like, again, like their role in this like late capitalist system and mm -hmm. like how are they, what it allowed them. Mm -hmm. And what gaming that system and climbing that system has like where it's gotten them. And I think that's like existentially probably so intense and it's intense as like some as audience members watching it so that's why I think it's like interesting that like they know that's like within themselves like something to reckon with and also like their audience it's like really knowing their audience too well that's what I was gonna say I wonder if they're also they're really performing like a reckoning in this season already and it's sort of like is that because of like the public discourse that they were they using the public discourse as a prompt to make content like they're reading the reviews and being like that's not true or whatever last episode or is it resonating that's also a question i often have about them and it's interesting because it's like anytime i've like pushed back with like an annoying comment on tiktok i always end up feeling exposed and like it wasn't worth it and like I'm like, is that what it's like? for? Because they're making the choice to put it in their TV show for posterity. Mm -hmm. So it's like, are they gaming us or are we getting to them? What is this? Right. You know what I mean? So yeah, Kim is talking about how like there's something to think about about what Chris has done to them. Seems like Kim's pretty comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. I do think that if this is something they're grappling with now, it's going to be a reckoning they have to have with their kids eventually. Because totally. the assumption is, it's fine. Look where it got us. It's all good. That seems to be Kim's attitude about it. Mm -hmm. Like, this is all good stuff. Why wouldn't you want it? But they're really making that decision for the kids as well. For sure. And I actually, this will transition us into our final takeaway. Mm -hmm. But I do wonder if a focus on that is also feeding into the Dolce & Gabbana narrative. Because I'm seeing in, like, next week or mm -hmm. in, you know the teasers for the next episode or the the rest of the season, like Courtney crying about the Dolce and Gabbana thing and being like, it's all about money. Mm. So I wonder if it's also positioning kind of like Kim on a side of, I like what we've done here and what's happened. Mm -hmm. And then like Courtney's like, no, because we also know that's kind of a real dynamic. And again, like they, game the dynamic the mm -hmm. real dynamics mm -hmm. well before we get into that because that sets us up nice for the next thing but i want to quick add putting prosthetics and like a big prosthetic nose onto kim parallels the what if that scott is posing and that they're all posing in that scene totally because obviously kim's face has been intervened by cosmetic surgery and 
when North is done transforming her, she puts on an outfit and a wig and she's become a character. They name the character Annika and they take her around the mansion and she interacts with a security guard that North pulls out from outside. Which we'll talk about later as as well. Yes. And it's also, I think, setting the stage for whatever transformation Kim will be undergoing for her American Horror Story part. Totally. We see Kim enter a character and we even see her like make a voice for this Annika character. And so she is kind of like unsettling. It's unsettling to see her in that like developed of a character. And I think there's a reason. Yes. Yeah. I think they want us to get a little bit used to like a more performing side. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's where it is also like, I that kind of stuff sounds conspiratorial, but it, I think it really is a level of marketing that like, we have no visibility into, but there are like machinations happening. Yeah. At the scale that they're at, this is stuff that they are very accountable to and have purview to. They're using data. I'm convinced of that. That's not conspiratorial to me. Like we're interacting with them, engaging with them through technology platforms. Mm -hmm. So they're also able to shape based on what they see works. And on some level, it's like, it's narrative. We, we, the word narrative is thrown around so much in relation to the Kardashians. It's true. I think it's really interesting that that's become like a com- conversational thing to throw around because it's actually like narrative is like a concept. It's a highly literary concept. It's a semiotic concept. And they're just good writers at a certain point. I think that's also what drives much of my project is not even trying to expose the Kardashians. It's because I'm really amazed by impressive narrative. I'm not good with narrative structure mm-hmm. as a writer. So anyway, I think... Yeah, like, of course they're accounting for the stuff. That's what good writers do. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to give it to them. They're good writers. Okay. Well, and good sellers. <laughs> right, totally. And yeah. marketers, for sure. Um. Okay, so, yes. Next final takeaway is the continued Dolce drama. Yeah. Dolce drama meaning this, like... Dilemma that Kim has of do I take on this opportunity with Dolce and Gabbana to creative direct a Milan fashion show, fashion week show, even though Dolce and Gabbana just hosted the Kravis wedding very recently, and we, as we kind of covered in the last episode of our podcast, like we're skeptical that there's really going to be a drama about this because even if Courtney and Kim have like their um, cynicism towards one another about Courtney's work ethic and Kim's like commercialism. Uh, Courtney knows the deal of how these partnerships work. They've been doing branded partnerships for the show forever and Courtney benefits from them. So it seems a little bit like they're recycling this old thing now of like creating a conflict narrative that a brand can be at the center of. Right. Which is just like very savvy insidious marketing <laughs> yeah because it's one thing to do like branded partnership or product placement for like a fun flouncy story but it's like this is a new thing to have this darkness which really reflects the moment in culture that we're in where there's a lot of darkness and a lot of conflict so it's very resonant in that sense and they and this is why we feel even more confident that this is a structured authored narrative for no reason at all one of them of dolce and gabbana i forgot who domenico dolce i think i think he's the one we've seen the most of he rolls up to like a lemmy shoot right to say hi to courtney <laughs> and they're setting it up to remind us like because courtney and dolce and gabbana are friends and it's a friend personal thing with them and it's like there's no reason that dolce of dolce and gabbana is going to just like check in on courtney before a lemmy shoot that is so kardashian 
Right. And does he actually go to Los Angeles that much? Maybe. Maybe so. But I can't imagine people are dropping in to say hi during photo shoots in this way for no reason. It's because they were shooting. It's because there's been like a narrative like mapped out that they're all playing out now. No, which it's like, that's insane. That like Dolce, whatever his name is. is I love how uncultured we are this way. (laughs) Oh, I know. Um, Complicit. He's, He's just so complicit in the narrative. It's crazy. It's just... It's it just shows how much power they have because yes. like in what world would a fashion house do this? Yes, before and not only that, I think speculatively, please no one sue me, but be paying to get to do it because right. I think that this is unless there's like they figure out they do the numbers and there's a mutual benefit that like breaks even, mm-hmm. but technically this would be product placement and so you're paying if you, i think the ha- fashion house is the one paying to get that coverage totally. unless there's some mutuality that just cancels out but basically he visits corny early on in the episode to establish himself as like a friend character to her and then as the episode progresses kim is planning to go to milan to make her moves as a creative director and what's really interesting is they really simplify stuff narratively for the viewer. And especially when it's high fashion stuff, they really break it down to make it clear. Like, this is why it matters for Kim. This is why it's a big step for her as Kim Kardashian in the fashion world. We found this quite murky. The con- we found it confusing. For sure. Like, what is actually happening? Yeah. What's her role in this? Right. Is it And is it for, like, okay, so it's for fashion? Yeah. Like, and then... She's going through archives and picking looks from the 90s. Okay, nostalgia. We know that they like to do archival stuff. But, like, what... Now she's in a photo shoot dressed, like, in a very, like, bombshell blonde Italian aesthetic. But, like, what's the photo shoot for? Right. Yeah. And it kind of doesn't... But then it's, like, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Because this is a show about image production. And we're going to see the images. I saw those images on Instagram. What were they for? I don't really know. It was, like, Kim as an Italian bombshell. Right. But then it links somehow to the fashion show to come. But, like, okay, it's just... It's, I mean, and, and it's all just like postmodern marketing. Yeah. It's yes. just just imagery from different corners of um, the media landscape that yeah. like the show does a great job of centralizing all of them to make sense of some, but none of it has to, it's like, again, like reference without a center. None of mm-hmm. it has to actually like come together in a full story. It's all just these like- That Kim Kardashian becomes the center of. Kim is the medium. Right. Kim talks about her production of the collection in this way. I, I'm not going to be able to think of quotes when you guys watch it. You'll see like, but she, she reveals a real consciousness of the viewer and the buyer, like mm-hmm. of her audience that, that the viewer and buyer, which comprise her audience. Um, she also uses the word content in this episode and previous episodes of the season more than I've ever heard her say. She's like, the content will be good. Or we've made a lot of content already. So the, con- the, the content's being looked on the nose and Finally, it ends with the, the the gang is en route to Milan to like really like make this fashion show happen. And Danielle, her stylist, forgets her passport. And the big debate that Marie and I have, and we're going to get into it in the next episode probably more, is did Danielle really forget her passport? Because it, what I think is it creates some drama and some stakes for this otherwise like another day at the office type of thing. Kim's doing fashion stuff. But it serves to they're telling us Danielle's really important because Kim likes to double check with a second person. Mm-hmm. And so without Danielle, Kim gets to actualize as like an independent visionary. Mm-hmm. Um, and she overcomes the stress of missing Danielle. Right. So that's my guess. Yeah. That it just is like a device for um, a, like a hero narrative that they're setting up. But you made a good point to wrap this all up. You made a good point within the premise that this is all 
product placement for Dolce & Gabbana just really like really developed narrative you made a point of like how is that pitched oh my god yeah that like assuming that this kind of stuff is definitely happening yeah and that these are how ultimately just these are just ultimately very like uh uh intricate brand deals it's like what does the pitch deck look like for that yeah like is it like like there's like an actual like slide that's like the iconic Courtney and Kim fight with the makeup on the wall. Like there's some really great stills from that fight. And then like, this is the data of like how well that did. So this will engage people to that extent. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I'm guessing so. Right. It's just like at the end of the day, these are all of the work going into this whole Kardashian machine is like manifesting as people in offices tip tip tapping away Mm -hmm. so it's like somebody somebody made like a microsoft ppt (laughs) what does it say on it no totally and that's like what that's like the level when people want to disconnect from the kardashians of like it's all narrative it's all staged they're fake and it's like but what is that or wow they have so much drama that family is so annoying like of course kim and courtney are fighting again like they're so shrill like those are the ways that they're dismissed mm-hmm. but it's like let's really think about the fact that like these are probably what the machinations look like and like there's enough money behind all of this on their end and then on the consumer's end to rationalize it you know what i mean absolutely <sighs> I am pooped, mm-hmm. but not too pooped to announce the MPC of the episode, which which is the security guard who North pulled like, out to like go meet Annika, the new art teacher, and just like really, really, that was not part of his job description of. In general, but especially that day of just like, I'm going to be on the show now. <laughs> I'm going to be on the show and I'm going to have to give Kim Kardashian, who is in costume, in a really horrifying looking costume because <laughs> a kid put this prosthetic on her and did her makeup. There's like weird eyeshadow happening. And like, it, it was like uncanny in a kind of disturbing way. It was scary. <laughs> and now I've got to like give some kind of reaction and I'm not sure what's right. So I'm just going to smile and laugh. And what was kind of cute, but like sad, but interesting was he and North seemed to have a genuine personal rapport, which is how it is as kids. Like you're getting to know the people in your environment. And Mm -hmm. like, there's like that childlike innocence that like takes those walls down. And so when she pulled him into the house to show, also they just needed an audience. Otherwise it's just Kim shuffling around in a (laughs) weird costume with no outsider. So there needed to be an outsider brought in to view Kim. Yes. Which is interesting. Again, the inside outside thing. And like, previous iterations of that kooky dynamic is like them going out to LA on a tour bus and like da 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 da. And like meeting the populace. mm -hmm. But this time they brought the populace in. Yes. Which security guard, I don't know his name. Did you catch his name? No. I wish I did. But you are our our honored guest Mm -hmm. for this. You're our honored NPC for this episode. Yeah. Keep fighting the good fight. Mm -hmm. Keep those kids safe. (laughs) And um, he did. He did great. Yes, but he, you could tell he wasn't sure when he was supposed to leave. But he honestly—that's a dilemma of any NPC in the Kardashian simulacrum. Is like, what's my fucking role here, and like, when can I? Yes, can I leave? And not everyone can do it gracefully. But he did. Yes, he did. So kudos to him. Yep. I hope he has a great night's sleep tonight and a really good dinner before that. <laughs> okay, 
So that's it, guys. Yep. We will see you next episode for episode four. Yep. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> 